a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in fury. An anomaly, properties undiscernible. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions because that's what we do. Of course, you can have those questions answered by doing one of the following things. You can either A, call. Don't do that. It's actually not a choice. It's a fake choice. You can't call me. Please just email us. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. This is this big email box. It's huge. I've seen it. And it's filled with your questions. And we take those questions and we answer them. And we've been getting a lot of questions about marriage and money recently, uh, which means people are either uh, wanting to be happy or they're not happy. I don't know how any of that works. And I know a few things about marriage, but I would never claim that because anyone who claims that uh, who is not an actual expert, eh, they'll end up divorced. So I brought in an actual expert for you today to... Uh, Answer the following question. What are the best ways to talk to your significant other about money? Her name is Christy Fox. She joins us now. Hello, Christy. Hi, Pete. How are you? I'm excellent. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Is this me. a career low light for you? This is a career highlight. Oh, well. Yes. Aim higher. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, you're a marriage and family therapist. Give your own title because yes. I'll mess it up. So, I'm actually a licensed clinical social worker, but okay. I do marriage and family therapy. Okay. A licensed clinical uh, social, social worker, therapy. but you also do therapy. That's correct. Counseling. Yes. What's the, is there a difference between therapy and counseling? Same Thing. Same thing. Same thing. All right. So here's the here's the you talk to married people all the time in yes. couples counseling. Yes. Is is your job to just always say the husband's right? Uh, no. Okay. Well, I'm <laughs> just saying like I probably won't go to your counseling. Though. That's okay. Um, uh, so 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 you you are there and you help people work through things yes. and I gotta imagine money ends up being part of this. As you can imagine, and we we all kind of know this, yeah. but money is the biggest thing that couples fight about. So you think a number one, what are the other ones? I would say sex, yeah, in-laws, family dynamics, sure. um, children. Okay. Money, sex, in-laws and Mm -hmm. children. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a great rock band. Like if you, (laughs) if you're going to like, uh, you know, Coachella where my producer Nicole likes to hang out, (laughs) Nicole, would you listen to a band called money, sex, in-laws and children? I feel like that would be one of those shows that I just ended up at in the middle of the day, not knowing what's really going on in front of me, but it's there. So those, that's what you deal with. Um, what's the best thing that for for someone that obviously we're raised by different people, which is a good thing Mm because then your in-laws are not your in-laws are your family. Because everyone, uh, what are the best practices? So here's what I would tell you for someone, couples that come in my door, there's conflict about money. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's from different upbringings. So yes. you come from a family where maybe money was tight. Mm-hmm. You come from a family where there was a lot of money. You come from a family where maybe the parents overextended themselves, got into debt. A lot of those things are generational. So they are passed from generation to generation. Sometimes you learn from the mistakes that your parents made. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you repeat them. Um, So really, communication about money is the biggest issue that we find. So communication, I also got to think, accepting the fact that you're going to view things differently. Absolutely. I think for like the first year of my marriage, and by the way, I've always heard never, uh, when you're talking about fixing marriages, never talk about your own on the radio. I, I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was a tip. A divorce lawyer actually gave me that tip. Um, so not that I have a divorce lawyer, it's just a friend. Anyway, mm-hmm. let's continue. Um, 
in my first year of marriage, I was con I was convinced that we had to think the same, mm -hmm. which the, the, you get over that pretty quickly. It's not going to happen. No, it's probably not. Um, yeah. There's going to be a lot of compromise. So typically in a marriage, what you'll find is you have one person who's the saver, one person who's a spender. Uh, so I am the uh, spender okay. and my wife is the saver. Okay. What about in your situation? Um, you? I would say my husband is used to be the spender, became the saver. Okay. And I've always been the saver. Okay, so now you've got two savers. Now, but not always. Okay. <laughs> yes. Now, and I, I think part of this too is you look at different backgrounds as you try to say, did did someone come from money or did they yeah. come from no money? Uh, I think the assumption that when someone comes from money, that then all of a sudden they know what they're doing, that's a bad assumption. That is a very incorrect <laughs> assumption. Um, with money comes responsibility, right? Right. So you, people that come from money sometimes don't understand the value of a dollar either. Sure. And so they may get into a marriage where maybe they're on a tighter budget, incomes aren't as high, have expectations that they're going to be able to afford everything that their parents afforded, not realizing that it took their parents 40, 50 years to yeah. accomplish what they've accomplished, and so then that creates conflict. Yeah, I guess because when you start realizing, uh, understanding comfort and, and a lifestyle, you're a teen mm -hmm. or a young adult, and right. your parents have battled that entire time to establish whatever lifestyle they provide for you. Exactly. You don't see the work. Exactly. Yeah, it's tough. And so how, how can a couple who isn't seeing eye to eye on these mm -hmm. things, like obviously they, they acknowledge they're different, yes. they acknowledge that communication is key, but how do you even like bridge the gap? So what I would start with doing is sitting down and bringing a list of all of your monthly expenses okay. and starting with a budget. So I thought you were going to say like a list of grievances. Well, maybe that too. That would be, <laughs> see, that seemed like a bad idea. Okay, so a, a um, list of expenses. Yes, list of expenses. I would say um, pull the ideal budget off your website. Download that bad boy, right? Yeah. Uh, PeteThePlanner.com. There you uh, go. This is working out very well for me, Nicole. <laughs> this is a great guess. I was just going to um, say, she's writing content. Yes. Download that and sit down and write down the fixed things, fixed expenses every month. But how do you, okay, so I, let, let's say I've been married, I've been married, it's my 18th year of marriage. Right. Um, but let's say I've been married for 30 years and mm -hmm. um, I've now come to the realization that we don't do well with this. I can't yes. just like show up at dinner with my list of our budget. Like, right. how do you how do you how do you start a conversation that should have taken place thirty years ago? I think it's coming to the point of recognizing that there's a problem. Yeah. And when you don't communicate, problems get swept under the rug for yes. years and years and years. And then sometimes you just have a breaking point of, oh my gosh, we are so many thousands of dollars in debt. We thought we might be heading towards retirement at this point, and now it's looking like. Maybe that's not a reality. Um, I think it's actually just sitting down and, and being honest with your partner and saying, um, this is not working. So when, when you when you talk to folks about this, so how does this go down? Like one person figures it out before the other person and then it's on them to tell the other person? <laughs> Sometimes both partners know they're in trouble. Well, yeah, they, yeah. Right, but it's, it's yeah, you gotta yeah. think, it, it, people are smart, they yeah. know it's not. And by the way, just because they're not communicating well about money doesn't mean their other communication is healthy and clean. Well, and a lot of times it's more about the process and, and less about the topic. And oh, so, tell me more. So the topic might be money, Okay. the topic might be sex, mm -hmm. but the process is how you're actually communicating. 
And so if you don't know how to communicate and then you are coming at each other from different perspectives, if you've got one person in the marriage who is the pursuer and one person who's the distancer. Oh my gosh, we're, I feel like we're learning a lot. Should we? <laughs> okay, uh, pursuer and the distancer. Yes. Pursuer is the person that wants to what? They want to hash it out right this second. Okay, and the distancer is just like, give me some space. Give me some space, I need some time to process this. Maybe they're not people that can process right in the moment. Maybe they escalate and they need some time to cool off and be able to clear their head. So what you find a lot of times is there's a stance that happens, right? Yeah. So you've got one person who's like, we're going to sit down, we're going to talk about this money problem, yeah. we're going to hash it out, and you've got another that's like, mm, not right now. Like, not doing it, I'm going to walk away, I'm going to leave the house, I'm going to, yeah. and then I'm not going to come back and talk about this again. What is the party called that preemptively accepts the apology of the other person as the disagreement starts? What's the, like, if I were to say, Mrs. Planner, you know, I know, I don't know where this conversation is going, but I, I already accept your apology. <laughs> Like, what, what do you call that person? I, I would say you probably need therapy. Yeah, yeah. It's a couch sleeper. We call that the couch yes, sleeper. Guest room bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Guest bedroom guy. Um, yeah, this is fascinating, right? Because um, if people are disagreeing about money, they probably yeah. are disagreeing about sex and their in-laws and, and children. Mm -hmm. And money just happens to be the one you got to deal with on oh, on a day-to-day -day basis yes. or you get in big trouble. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. there's a possibility if you find yourself doing the stance, if you are unable to work through major conflicts like money, that there, that you would benefit greatly from having a third person okay. involved. Okay. So this is either the best question I'm going to ask you today okay. or the worst. And okay. there's no middle ground with me. All right. Uh, I want to know uh, when you're stressed about money and things are going well, and then the solution is let's go spend money and talk to a third party. Right. Like that has to bring even more stress in the situation. Sometimes, yes. Um, and a lot of times it is finances that will keep people from going to therapy. But yeah. here's the thing I always tell people, and this is even true for people who are looking at and you know, premarital counseling sure. and, and investing in that. If you don't spend the money on this, is your marriage going to survive? Oh, see, that's a really good point. And almost, yeah, okay, so yeah, all right, that's a good question to ask yourself, okay. Right. So if you're listening right now and you're thinking, man, my, my, my marriage communication isn't going so well, mm -hmm. um, what's the trend report show us? This is getting worse because unless you do something drastically different, it won't right. get better. Right, so it's about investing on the front end. Yeah for a long-term return. Isn't there also, I mean, and, and I, I would assume that both people want to have to commit to wanting to be married and reconciled? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you come into counseling with one foot already out the door, right? there is not a whole lot your therapist can do to help you. And can you, can you sniff that out pretty oh, soon? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are the people that come in, they haven't filled their paperwork out, they're sitting with their arms crossed on the end of the yeah, couch. This, this all sounds like me, except <laughs> I have a healthy marriage. I just don't like paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> what if I show up in your office like, I just didn't fill it out, and you're like, oh my God, he wants divorce. I'm like, no, I'm just lazy. No, I mean, sometimes that truly okay. is the case. So with men, it's just, they're lazy. No. Just me. Just you. Okay, so they don't <laughs> fill out their paperwork, their arms are crossed. They give attitude, they yeah, are not geez. cooperative. Um, this is all me. <laughs> Continue. So. Um, you know, and usually the first therapy session is yeah. just an assessment of tell me your backstory, tell yeah. me about how you guys met, tell me about kind of what made you fall in love with the other person, how do you view marriage through what lens, and tell me 
kind of what's been going on lately and what, how can I help you? And so when you have people who are resistant, and this can be either the, either person, when you have people who are resistant, it's very difficult to say, Hey, I, I think we can work with this because when you have one person who's like, Ooh, I, I don't think I want to be here. And I already think maybe I'm kind of checking this as a box, but I'm not really committed to doing, you know, maybe the homework or, you know, taking any of the feedback you give into suggestion. Like, there's not a whole lot a therapist can do to help you. All right, so let's do this. Let's take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about uh, best practices for newlyweds. So like, we've just talked about like, you've been doing this for decades and how to fix it. What if you just started, you're about to get started. And also, uh, I wanna ask if like, if everyone's anyone's pulled out their phone in a a session with you and you see their match.com profile. (laughs) So we'll ask that next uh, with Christy Fogg. uh, So clinical social worker. Yes. Yes, who also does uh, therapy and counseling for families. Correct. I said it right. All right, all that's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I am Pete the Planner. Stop what you're doing. Log on. And hit Pete up on Twitter at Pete the Planner. Question the right of any man. The voice his opinion as strongly as any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in. Camouflage by the scenery, but I'm a champion. Revamp the camp again. Put down Back on the Pete the Planner show. This question we're addressing today is what should uh, soon to be married or newlywed couples do to make sure they get started off on the right foot? To discuss that, I bring an expert on the topic, Christy Fogg, who uh, does uh, family counseling and therapy. You get to deal with people all the time in this situation. I sure do. Uh, do you get the pre um, pre married folks? How the I do. I love yeah. working with premarital couples. How do they know to come to you? Is it they come from a family of divorce, and then someone says, "Hey, you should go do this before you get started"? You know, they come from all kinds of different places. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's the recommendation of you know whoever is marrying them, the pastor, uh, oh, yeah. reverend, whatever uh, priest. Um, sometimes they just recognize that maybe they have some things they need to work through and they're not quite sure how to do it and they want to start their marriage off on the right foot. I got married in the Catholic Church, uh, so did my wife, um, to each other. <laughs> and we had to do pre-marriage counseling with our priest. Yes. Uh, and, and I feel like that was a good process. Mm-hmm. That was a good thing. And mm-hmm. so sometimes if that's not a formality within the church, people get married, then they would come to see yeah. you. So I got to assume in that circumstance, you're really talking about backgrounds and you're trying to figure out where the problems are going to be. Yes, absolutely. Um, typically what we'll do is at least a minimum of six sessions. Okay. Um, and I recently became certified in something called SIMBUS, which is saving your marriage before it starts. Oh, it's an acronym. It's an acronym. Okay. And so what this does is it's probably similar to what you did when you did the Catholic Church prep, which mm. is where you probably took quizzes and then you got the results of the quiz. Yes. And yeah. I failed. So, oh, you failed. The okay, quiz. Great. But it's worked out 18 years. <laughs> well, yeah, congratulations. Right. Thank you. Feel um, and so I um, send a link to my couples. Mm-hmm. They fill out these quizzes online. Um, I get the results and this really pretty color-coded charts and I all like kinds color, of fun yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. And then over six sessions, we go over anything and everything, family of origin. We go over money. Mm-hmm. We go over children, household responsibilities, religion, anything and everything you could possibly think of that might be a problem area. Are you trying to dust up a fight? Are you trying to, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like yeah. say, like 
find points of disagreement and see how they re resolve it? We're actually trying to identify and bring to their attention caution flags okay. that they may or may not be aware of. A lot of times they're not aware. Yeah. Because sometimes there are things when, in your, when you're dating that you just don't talk about, especially no. when it comes to money. I gotta think, I haven't dated anyone in several years. I gotta think as a, as a working adult, if you're in the you know beginning to, to you know, you're dating, you're about to get married, mm -hmm. talking about money's gotta be just brutal. Yeah, um, a lot of people come into marriage with the attitude of it's kind of not the other person's business, which is interesting. Yeah, that's weird. Um, and I'm thinking you're getting ready to spend potentially eternity with this person and you... Eternity seems long. Uh, you don't want the other person to know about your finances. So it's not unusual for me to see couples who have been married for a couple years and they find out that someone has been hiding a money secret. Oh yeah. Like a loan or student loans or credit card debt or a shopping problem, a gambling problem. And so premarital counseling in theory is meant to prevent some of those problems from creeping up later. And, and I know this is more of a sensational question and I'm okay with that. But at some point in time, are you, have you had to say, all right, uh, why don't you guys not do this? Like, <laughs> There have been a few times where I have recommended that we maybe postpone or maybe push back the date sure. to buy a little bit more time. Um, you know, I say I said we start with six sessions, but that doesn't mean we end at six sessions. That right. Sometimes we have to add more, um, especially if there are some big, humongous, major problems where I have concern about them committing in marriage. Is there consistently a quality that couples or two people within a couple possess that you always know these two are going to be okay? Is there, is there was something? Yeah. Um, respect and being kind to one another and being able to work through problems and talk to one another. Um, you know, Really, when I talk about money, a lot of times it comes down to boundaries. Yeah. And when couples already have established boundaries in their relationship and they're going into marriage with some boundaries, I usually feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I, I got to think, like, especially two adults. When I say two adults, I mean, I was 22 when I got married, so I was a kid, okay. right? Sorry. Uh, but uh, two 29-year-olds, right? Mm -hmm. um, one person's thinking, well, I'm going to spend money on this. And the other person may say, well, that that's a problem for me. And if the, the first person says, I don't care, then we have an issue. We have a major, major issue. Um, that's why we put some boundaries in place. Yeah. So things like... You know, for example, when my husband and I first got married, mm -hmm. we had something called a $100 rule. Sure, we had the $100 rule. We, I, it has it has eliminated so much conflict. Do you still have the $100 rule? We still rule? have it. We've abandoned the $100 rule, but we, <laughs> we lived on it for years. Yeah, yeah. It's a good rule. It's a perfect rule. And the thing is, I tell clients, if that's too little, if it's not enough, you can adjust as... Oh, we should explain it. What's the yes, $100 rule? Yes, the $100 rule is if you are going to spend $100 on something, um, and we had a caveat that it did not include groceries. Sure. That um, we just need to check it with the other person. So that not was- Not permission. Not permission. Just, hey, I'm thinking about buying um, a new grill, for example. Yes. Okay. So our grill went out. So I'm thinking about buying a new grill. Do we have that in the budget right now? Well, okay. What's a grill? Three, $400 for a nice one. Right. Well, you know, we have this coming up and we just had a plumbing issue and we oh. have to pay um, life insurance policies next month or, you know, whatever. And so sometimes it causes you to put the other person in check and say, 
you know, I understand this is something you want. I think maybe we need to save and plan for this instead of just impulsively buying it just because it broke. So true, because the other person may have plans in their head where the money was set aside for life insurance premiums or whatever else. And so not only is the money not there when someone doesn't check, but then the other person is completely agitated and aggravated. And that's where things go off the rails. Exactly. Exactly. And then that sometimes, if you don't have boundaries in place, Mm -hmm. then you end up having problems like financial infidelity. Oh, yeah which I'm sure you're familiar with. Well, uh, well I am from an expert from a, standpoint, yes. yes. I mean, what's the idea of like a secret credit card, a secret bank account, a yes. uh, secret family, <laughs> different sometimes, things like that. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. And then you think about how important trust is yeah. within a marriage. And if you commit financial infidelity, chances are 99% of the time your, your partner's going to find out. Yeah. Um, we're just not that good at hiding things no, from our partners. Right. And so then you have to deal with broken trust. And then you have to wonder, are you not being forthcoming in other areas? And then it's just a downward downhill spiral. Thank you. We'll go with it. From there. (laughs) Uh, So awesome. Well, thank you so much for helping us with this. Not only uh, normal uh, people have been married for a while, but newlyweds. So Christy Fogg, Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank we you appreciate it. We'd love me. to have you back. I would love to come back. All right. Coming up after the break, we talk college planning. That's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Welcome back. If you're watching on PeteThePlanner.tv, I decided to pick up the microphone for no particular reason. Uh, so, uh, Nicole, uh, we got a great email question and ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com this week. And I'm very excited to share it with you. Please do. It's a good one. Because. Okay, okay. If it, you know it's a good one when you're excited about it. I'm a little bit excited. Just a little. Dear Pete, help! Um, I'm freaking out about college savings for my kids. We have a three-year-old and almost five-year-old. We started 529 accounts for them a while ago, but haven't been real aggressive about saving in those accounts. We have about $4,000 and $6,000 saved, respectively. Uh, in August, our oldest will be going to kindergarten and I will be increasing my hours at work, but will still be part-time. We're planning to use the decreased daycare expenses and the increased income to save more for college. In fact, we chose not to send her, I assume being the kindergartner, to our church's K through eight private school in favor of saving for college. Now on the outset, Nicole, I'm going to call a timeout here. Timeout. Seems like a wise choice. Yeah, I agree. Continuing. Uh, But now I'm not so sure. Uh, Between the two of us, my husband and I, both in our early 30s, make about $120,000 per year and are six years away from paying off our house. Wow. 
Right. Amazing. We save 15% of our income toward retirement and have a current power percentage of about 35%, which is amazing. It's great. That's what we like to hear. And it will increase to just over 41% in (sighs) August if we go with our current plan. That's amazing. But what if we didn't save much or at all? for college and use the money for private education now. By the time the kids get to college, we won't have a mortgage payment and we will have significant general savings. So we should be able to pay for college outright and won't need those 529s accounts, right? So what makes more sense? Using today's money to save for education later or to pay for education today, Abby? Wow, it's a great question. I like it. Do you wanna go Hollywood Square style on this one? I do. What do you think? I think since they are so close to paying off their mortgage Mm -hmm. to just be done with it. What an awesome thing to just be able to have written off this early into your life. You know, your kids are still young. They're kind of in a situation that you and your wife are in as in you're getting closer and closer to not having a mortgage payment. Right. So I, if it's a priority to send their kids to private school, maybe keep them in a public education for the time being. Until their until their mortgage is paid off, and then if it's really that big of a priority, send them to private school or look into that. But I don't think that they need to completely stop contributing to the five twenty nines and bank on being able to pay for college later on down the road. Because what if what if she stops working? You know, yeah. or what if, what if someone gets sick? What if it's that, it's that whole of if you have something going so well right now? I know the gamble might be worth it, but also. If you're able to see on paper how good it looks, it's only got to translate at least half as good in real life, right? Yeah, I, I, here's where my answer begins, and it's in just a completely different place, although I get to your place eventually. I personally don't necessarily value private education, right? Yeah. So, like, that's where to answer this question, I, I don't, I, I need to. Uh, expose my own biases. I went to Pike High School, on the west side of Indianapolis. Uh, I did go to a private university, but that's different because that yeah. is a college education. I went to elementary school and public schools. My kids go to public schools. So I think a big part of this is as a taxpayer, as a homeowner, someone that pays property taxes, you have chosen to live in a particular area that has a certain school system. And, and Abby, who's emailed us, I have no idea where that is. Um, so I think it starts there. Absolutely. Did you choose to live in a place that is um, expensive, right? right. Yeah. Um, or are, are the public schools not so great? You know, right? Right. Like, in sometimes in, in the public schools in uh, the Indianapolis area, like specifically downtown Indianapolis, a lot of people feel like they aren't they aren't great. That's not for me to say. I don't really know. And so a lot of people who live downtown in expensive homes choose to also have a private education. So, Nicole, I think that you have to start there. Are Absolutely. you in a school system that you're willing, that is fine uh, to, to go to? And do you really think a private education is, number one, um, worth the additional cost? I would assume Abby feels that way. Otherwise, right. she wouldn't yeah, have done it. Yeah, otherwise it wouldn't be a, such a priority. Um, it's interesting. interesting. But it's they have put themselves in the position to make this decision. Right. So many people who, and I, I have railed on this for years, say, uh, 
we value education. We want to send our kids to private school, but they're not in this position because they their money speaks of a different priority than their mouth. Yes, yes. You know, they, they do all these other things and then they can't afford the private school education despite the fact that lip service is being paid to the fact that all they care about is private education, which is not true. And by the way, I also have to say this, and this is probably going to start a fight somewhere within my uh, circle of relationships. Ah. Um, I think also when a parent or when a grandparent comes and pays the private school education, Mm -mm. that causes a lot of problems. Because then a lot of problems. That just puts even more variables in the relationship between the parent and the grandparent, the grandchild and the grandparent, the grandchild might might not even know what this is causing for them later on down the road of, you know, whatever that relationship looks like. I think that that causes, yeah. You know, one of the most consistently heinous things that I used to see was when a grandparent would say to a child, their, their a grandparent would say to their child. So, a, a, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, my, my dad would say to me, yeah, hey, Pete, we're going to pay for the kids college education. Don't worry about it. And by the way, my dad did not say that. But if he were to say that to me about my kids, that he would pay for their education. What I consistently saw was and this is totally off topic that that promise is much harder to keep than the person thinks Yeah. because the cost of education, I mean, no offense, but a 65 year old man isn't necessarily attuned to the current cost of a college education, nor should he be. Well, and then we were just talking about this the other day of how we have just seen in a, a steady increase in college education, uh, tuitions and we're what, like what now over a, $1.5 trillion for the student loan debt. Right, exactly. Um, so all of this is to say, because we meandered around this person's question. Um, How unlikely of us. Well, yeah, <laughs> we eventually answer your question on this show. It's your money questions answered. Eventually. eventually. Um, I, I think they've earned the right to make, to choose either path. Right. Because sometimes when we read these emails, people lay out the situation. One path looks treacherous. The other one looks fine. I think these people have to trust their instinct yeah. and, and be willing to make either decision and not look back. Now, if, again, if it were me, they're not asking me what I would do. They're asking me what they should do, which is completely different. If it were me, I would not send my kids to private school. No. So um, I wouldn't go that route. But for, for them. I think not having a mortgage payment um, for a significant portion of their kids' lives, and so then that money can be saved, and uh, right. yeah, I, I have just, no problem with that. I think about their kids being three and five years old, and essentially by the time their oldest is a little over 10 years old, that mortgage will be gone. I think the other thing to consider here, though, and I, without knowing where these people live, they need to make sure they're taking advantage of the 529 plans because you can still right. use a 529 plan to pay for a private education now, K through 12. So they need to make sure that they, if they have to have a tax credit like the state of Indiana, that they would need to contribute $5,000 to the account. And then... Um, get a thousand dollar tax credit and in doing that then they would improve their financial margin by a thousand dollars a year with just a little bit of a tax trick absolutely but they need to consult a financial advisor what's interesting to me is what their financial life looks like after their mortgage is paid off so Mm -hmm. maybe that those kids or their child stays in public school until then and then they just go to middle school and high school private or something along the lines of that that there's a mix in, in there or something yeah so i like that question i know we didn't give a definitive answer but their power percentage is absurd. 
35% going to 41% with no debt other than the mortgage. That is fantastic. Yeah. And I think that's one of those, we're talking about having the right to make this decision. So these people have put themselves in the opportunity where you can tell that they know what they're talking about. They know they've thoroughly looked through both of these plans and they're just wanting to know what their best option is. Yeah, I agree. And that's right? what tickled me in a good way uh, about <laughs> this question is that I've gotten this exact same question from people who have not put themselves in this position and the answer is much different. Right. It, the, the answer is if you send them to private school, you are on a path to financial ruin. And this is not the case for them. You know, and I think this goes to a bigger point about education is that people uh, get, what's the, what's the phrase? They, they, they get all up in their hackles. Hackles are involved. You know what I'm talking about? They get hackles. Uh, hackles. You know what I mean? What? They, you don't know the word hackles? No. All right. Looking it up. Uh, hackles. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, did you urban dictionary it? Uh, no, this is a real definition. Oh no. Um, it's one of two things. Uh Oh Oh boy. Oh buddy. Uh, the first definition of hackle. <laughs> Are you I'm flustered? so uncomfortable right now. If you're watching on PeteThePlanner.tv, you can see Pete getting rather flush in the face in this moment. Okay, hackles are erectile hairs along the back of a dog, <gasps> on the back of a dog or other animal that rise when it is angry or alarmed. Oh but my do, God. But why are they called erectile hairs? <laughs> like, isn't there a different direction the dic dictionary could have... Because then it just takes it to this weird place that no one needs to go or think about, especially yeah. with dogs. Wikipedia says hackles are the erectile plumage or hair in the neck area of some birds and mammals. Oh my God. Anyway, I don't know where I'm, oh, back to erectile hairs on people's neck. People get upset. <laughs> Why did we get here? How did we get here? How do we get here? One day we'll learn, but today is not that day. Don't Google things live on the air. Don't do the internet. I can just see the Twitter video clip being played right now. It's going to be great. Elias oh. got so much good content. Here's my point. People get so upset. I don't know where the hackles come in. People get so upset about when I or anyone else tries to talk sense into them about their children's education and the cost of that education. Like, oh, you can't put a price tag on good. Yes, you can put a price tag on this and you can't just dismiss uh, smart decisions around education because it's education that drives me insane and you will ruin your financial life if you don't. Coming up after the break. The biggest waste of money of the week. And let's see if we can get this show back on the rails. Erectile hairs along the back of a dog or other animal. The issue being the word erectile, because which just means it stands up. You had to say it one more time before well, we went to break. Well, it's in the Didn't dictionary. You? I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show. Day, living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted, find myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I gotta do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. 
swift and enduring. I remain calm. This lays great errors to rest. Let me remain calm. Back on the Pete the Planner Show. I know what you're wondering. You're wondering, Pete, what is this week's biggest waste of money of the week? Oh, fair listener, I'll tell you. It's the GSI Outdoor Flask. Lighter than most metal flasks, the GSI Outdoor Boulder Flask has another advantage over its competitors. You can see when it's running low. Okay, that's a pretty good feature. Uh, That's a nice feature. That's a good feature. I have a flask that is black leather uh, wrapped around something. I don't know. And you can't see and barely feel other than the shake and you hear the fluid fluid. Like you can't tell. Is there like a clear little thing on the side of it? Is that what we're hearing? Um, you know, I, I can't, so you can maybe see, like, the level of it. You know what I'm talking about? It's body is made from transparent shatter resistant co-polis poly. Okay. I'm going to, it's body is made from transparent shatter resistant co-polyester resin with a grippy silicone bumper running around the outside for protection against bumps and drops. The wide mouth makes filling and pouring a cinch and the top is hinged. So it won't get misplaced. You know, I think this is a pretty good use of money. It's 20 bucks. That's it? I don't know. Is that a good use of money? Like, okay, it's an outdoor flask. So let's right. think of scenarios here, Nicole, in which one would be outdoors oh, I do. and I do. they would need access to copious amounts of liquor. I don't know. Perhaps a music festival? I know, but like, here's the thing. It, its <laughs> capacity is 10 ounces. So what's a shot? Is a shot an ounce or is a shot yeah. like a... I think so. Is that right? I don't... Th- oh, hey. Oh. Oh, oh, Google yeah. it. 1.5 fluid ounces. Oh, the intern tells I us. I know. How much is uh, a shot? I'm going to look on the internet and hopefully we don't get an answer like we did last time. Uh, one jigger is equal to... Which is the thing. You know, the shot glass is called a jigger. You, really? Yes. You didn't know that? No, nah, I got to Google it now. Well, I just Googled it. Anyway, how many ounces are in a shot glass... Uh, 1.5. Man, Aaliyah was right. Okay, so it's got 10 ounces. So what's the math on that? So 10? Oh, I got a calculator right here. I Look, it's the end of the week, y'all. My math's not great, so you're going to just have to deal with what we got. 6.66666. Six shot, uh, shots. So, Nicole, where's the scenario in which you need to have six shots of booze that can get warm and it won't bother you? Like, what's the scenario? Like, Coachella? Coachella, I think if you're going to a outdoor concert, perhaps at White River in Indianapolis. Didn't um, you just go see Bon Iver? <gasps> I did just go see Bon Iver. That His music perfect. makes me sad. I'm sorry. Well, no, it does. It's just, I mean, it just does. I, That's how I feel. Happy. Is it? His newer stuff is. Yeah. Have you listened to 22 a million? I don't even know those words. Let that play. It's, a, it's the best 40 minutes of your life. Um, here's the thing. Six, okay, 20 bucks to have access to six cocktails. Well, I guess a shot, a cocktail could have more than one shot in it, right? Like right, the way I'm I even cocktails. thinking too, if you're taking a swig of it, like are you really taking a whole shot like when you're doing the whole swig? No. No, no I mean, it's like, right? like yeah. right here, I got on. some booze right here. Got, got the old granddad old, behind my desk old here. Old faithful old granddad. So I'm trying to think, like if I... Good. If I did that 10 times, is that an ounce? Did I just take down an ounce just in there? Man, no. that's strong. It's been a while. Oh, how quickly we forget. Um, no. We don't give the intern access to the booze behind my desk, do we? I feel like we'd have to fill out a form. I filled out the form. Oh, you did? Yeah. Good. 
man, that's strong. <laughs> I didn't have lunch today. Oh, Pete. <sighs> I forgot. I yell at my boyfriend all the time for us not eating lunch. You got to take care of you before you take care so of everyone else. So is $20 a good use of money for a flask? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think if you can see how much is left in it. Can we have a weird conversation? As if this isn't weird. Please. And it's not a, it's not influenced by the swig of old granddad I just took. Uh-huh. That's sort of a weird I haven't done that on the show in a while. It's been a minute. We should We gotta have another drinking episode. I wish thank you for making me that. Um I th- here's my question. Have you been keeping your eye on this the uh, equity markets, the stock market? I, I can't say I have. Okay. Let me tell you, it's doing really well. Mm. Things are going well. Good. That's good. The Dow is well above 25,000 uh, points. It's a lot. That sounds like a lot. It, it, there's a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> things are going really well. Yeah. People's portfolios are skyrocketing. And we probably should do a whole episode on this. Uh, Actually, it's interesting. My 20-year-old brother asked me the other day. He's like, how do I start investing? Yeah, uh, fair question. Maybe we do a segment on how do I start investing? We'll have somebody on to talk about it. Bring him in. Right. Your brother. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that'd make for good TV. Um, so here's, here's my question. The market's doing great. That's a statement. The question is, should we be concerned by all the horrible signs that are going on outside of the stock market? And the economy's doing well, but there's, the debt levels in our country are growing uh, higher and higher and higher by the day. Right, it's yeah. really terrifying. One point five trillion student loans. Uh, we're seeing crazy car loan issues. People that are upside down or underwater on their car loans. Student loan default rates are high. I, I feel like this is all leading to a really heinous situation with the economy. Yeah, and, and that's just a feeling. Do you feel that way, or do you, I guess you don't study it as much? But do you feel that way? But you saying that it doesn't make me feel good. Yeah, I guess we've already learned that like a a sky high stock market combined with bad consumer habits, you know, it it fuels the market for a while, but at some point in time, it all crashes down. By the way, this is not investment advice that I'm giving you. I'm just suggesting that with the debt levels uh, and the overextended amounts of credit that people have that like it all has to be reckoned with someday. Right. It's just got all dark. After I take a swig of bourbon on the air, all of a sudden it's just like, let's listen to some Bon Iver and just chill. See, no, you can't. Why you gotta why you gotta paint it like that? I didn't call him Bon Iver. Thank you. You know what? I'm gonna guess our listenership has no idea who Bon Iver is. I'll I'll include a link to his Spotify playlist and uh, you know in the blog post. Oh boy, I can't wait. Uh Nicole, that's all we have time for this week on the show. Thanks for having Christy Foggin, marriage counselor. She's awesome. She it's always great. fun to meet the person who you email with back and forth like sure. 15, 15 times in a row. Uh, so go out and get the outdoor flask. 20 bucks. Fill it with old granddad. 100 proof. If you want to talk about proof. Uh, yeah. No one knows. I got to go. All right. That's all I have time for uh, this week. Uh, send me good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show. If you want to be on this podcast and have Pete fix your money life, then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on. This is for information purposes only. It's not the Swiss financial planning device. Consult a financial divisor.
Dove released from Everest, the freshest fresh, and you can call me E.T. Word to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing. I'm the reason. Uh, salutations. I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love Tron can restore your health. I bring you greetings, uh, salutations. How you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound and travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home. Filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole. Event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, and beats I burn. This I adjourn, and beats I burn. Salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?